It is Locked on Jazz for the 16th of November. Just a step slow, but lots of things still to like on a group that looks a little worn down, is making some mistakes. Highlight performances from Simone and Kelly, and close game review leads to the best missed free throw play I've seen all year. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free, available on all podcasting apps, wherever you get your podcasts, or on YouTube. Please subscribe or follow on YouTube. Hit the little Liberty Bell button so you get notified every time we do a show. Thanks very much. Five-star reviews are always welcome. Um, actually, this was pretty cool. I uh, I got to share this because this totally fired me up. So uh, there's a this super nice guy, Dale, who parks our, we park on um, whatever, I think John Stockton Avenue, whatever that is, by the arena. He's super nice, always super helpful. I sometimes show up in my van, which is a total pain in the butt, and he's really great about it. So I had two extra tickets yesterday, so I gave them to his son, and his son texted me and said, hey, thanks for the tickets. Um, my, you're my first listen every day. I was like, that's awesome. Love it. So thanks for making Locked on Jazz your first listen uh, every day. Uh, we got a bunch of fun stuff. I do have three late-game reviews for you. Uh, Spurs, Blazers, the uh, Clippers, Dallas, and then Miami and Phoenix the other night. So I've watched three late games. We'll add that. That'll be our third segment. Kind of love doing this. Uh, I've seen a bunch of really interesting things. And kind of, I think, also will help us a great deal as the year goes on and we debate late games. Because you watch all these late games. And, for example, I watched the Clippers doubled Doncic all night long. And I now know why nobody will ever double Doncic at 35 feet ever again. Um, anyway, let's get to the Jazz last night. So my take last night is I thought we were off. I, I thought, um, I just thought that the, the either looked a step slow. Um, and actually, if you go back and listen to the post-game press conference, Kelly Linux talking about um, hit off defensive rebounding and that they were a step slow to react. And Will Hardy talked about being a step slow to some spacing issues. And then transition defense, I thought was a step slow. I just thought they were a step slow last night. Now, that can be all sorts of reasons. I, I'm not sure I have a great answer to the reason. Um, I would start with one of two reasons, and I think they're both probably accurate. One is we've played more games than anyone else. We were kind of once again into a three games and four nights, even though it feels like we're home and it should be. And that is the reality. The NBA is a three night and four night, three games and four night league now. We don't do four and five anymore, so it's not. Um, but you know that's that was that's the reality. The other thing is we've now played sixteen games. Um, there is not another team in the West that has played other than San Antonio that's played 15. There's not a team in the East other than Toronto that's played 15. So I do think, hey, we've snuck one extra game into a very short period of time. And then the last piece of that is because we don't have that guy. We don't have Jason Tatum or Giannis or even a Trey Young or Donovan Mitchell or a Joel Embiid. Um, or frankly, even like a Jalen Brunson who just carries an incredible burden there, or Dame Lillard or Nikola Jokic, or, you know, 
um, or even Devin Booker or Luca, every, the burden on everyone collectively is heavier on a given night. And this is kind of the reality. Like this roster is not built to be perfectly built right now, right? Like we're in a process of 36 months of developing into what hopefully is the next kind of team that's ready to go. And we've been far better than anyone anticipated in 10 and six in our first home loss. And that's been largely due to effort and togetherness and fight and battle. I thought all those things were still there. I'm not saying in any way, shape or form. I didn't think they had the effort to fight those things. I just thought they were step off. Um, I said to Ron, you know, we go to commercial break and every now and then we'll comment on things to each other. Okay. So usually we go to commercial break and I say something. Um, let's be honest. No, Ron does too. Um, but I, we went to commercial break and I said to Ron, I think this was probably late first quarter. I was like, wow, I don't think we're very good tonight. Like, I think we're actually kind of bad and we're up three. I, I wonder if we should be, and I said to him, do you think we should be up 11 right now? I've just missed our opportunity. Maybe give the Knicks some credit here too. That was a pretty inspired defensive performance by the Knicks. They were flying around, rotating, cutting off the driving lanes. They allowed 145 points the night before, or two night game before. They had, they, had allowed, they had scored 49 points in the first quarter against Oklahoma City and then had a players-only meeting at a restaurant. And they, they were kind of a mess, and the, the vultures were circling. Um, so you got an inspired Knicks performance last night um, in a lot of ways. Here, here are some of the things that jumped out at me last night from the Jazz. The, the first one is crazy. So the Knicks were in transition last night on 27 possessions. Now, this is exactly how we thought the game was going to be played. If you were listening to our radio broadcast last night, we actually had a pretty good night in regards to telling the story with preparation. So the story of the night last night was that neither the Jazz or the Knicks are very good at defensive rebounding. And interestingly, neither the Jazz or the Knicks are very good in transition defense. So it was going to be this kind of game of who could actually get the defensive rebounds and who could then get out and run. Um, the Jazz are struggling in transition defense. The Knicks are 29th in the league in transition defense. The Jazz took advantage of that. Jazz averaged 1.6 points last night in transition defense. The Jazz just only got out 17 times. Which actually, by the way, is a lot. The Jazz are, are, are according to Clean the Glass, the Jazz play transition usually 14% of the time. Last night, the Jazz were in transition 17% of the time. And really had a good game. Now I'm kind of floating between two different metrics. They count this, so it's a little funky. In the Knicks last night, had 27 transition opportunities, and they had three um, and six three-point shots out of those 27, or three six three six three-point makes out of those 27 opportunities. That that that's work. the Jazz are having a problem with the way they play offense, and they're moving it at all times, and and teams are switching. When they get back in transition, one, we're not particularly fast, right? You don't, we don't have any burners. Two, we're cross-matched, and guys aren't picking up their guys. They were just, and it's actually not the disturbing one that I'm sure is driving Will Hardy the most insane right now about this, is it's not only on misses. So a little bit I've, I've portrayed this as this, this is a miss issue. If you're actually being, if I'm being honest, it's a miss or make issue for the Jazz right now in the transition defense. And that is, I think, going to be a pretty heavy reoccurring theme here for a while. I think teams have now put in their scouting report that they can run on the Jets. That Kelly's not particularly quick. Lowry's not particularly quick. We're playing big. And and guys can get downhill. And then our guards in Mike and Colin are not very big. So that if they have to guard open court in transition, it's a problem. So I think we're going to see that. That's 
to me, that's an example last night of just where I thought things were off. Like, they just got beaten off makes. They got beat in transition a little bit last night more than they usually do. Um, or or they should. And I thought that was a sign of just a little bit of where they were off. Um, the other one that we talked about was the rebounding. So the Jazz actually had a pretty good rebounding game. The Jazz had 32% of their offensive rebounds. And the Knicks had 27%. Both those numbers are really high. Um, that's what we expected. And then the question was going to be who, who was able to get rolling off that. Um, don't, don't misunderstand this again, as I actually thought the Jazz were off and then also played in a lot of ways that was re- were really good, which I think is encouraging. You know, the Jazz, I think, had, I don't know exactly what the numbers were, depending on your various, whichever box score you use, they all kind of flip around differently. But if you look at our shot distribution last night, I think it's really good. Um, the problem is that then, again, back to a negative, is the turnovers were a bit a bit much last night. I'm, I'm much more, as you guys know, over the years, I've been very consistent on this. I'm a offensive um, rating guy. Sometimes I think, you know, if you're driving the lane and you scoop it underneath for uh, a dunk and it's a 100% two-point shot, <clears throat> and then the next time down you make the same play and you turn it over, that's 1.0 points per possession. It's it's not horrendous. Um, the issue gets to be whether that becomes transition, right? So the fact that we go back to where we were a minute ago, the fact that the Knicks had, what was that obscene number, 27 transition opportunities last night. Well, the Jazz turned it over 20 times. Those are probably certainly related. Um, and that's the problem with the turnovers is that they kill you on the other end of the floor. And that that's what... I would argue that yes, and now without the take foul, um, there actually are a bigger deal. I mean, the Jazz were kind of the master over the last year of the take foul. But back to the Jazz, like, doing things well. Um, last night, I think I have them at 17 rim shots and almost 45, 50% of their shots as threes. They got, you know, they got another eight or nine corner threes last night. Um, anytime you're over six or seven corner threes, you're executing pretty well to get your shots. The Jazz got eight of them last night. They got 16 shots in the restricted area. Um there was a lot of things the Jazz did really, really well. In fact, if you remember, there's a data point we've used before, which is like quality, shot quality. Jazz shot quality was almost five percentage points better than the Knicks last night. They, unfortunately, the Knicks made an inordinate, a little bit higher than usual, and the Jazz made a little less. Um, and then the Jazz turned it over. So that that was really the difference, is that the Jazz turned it over. Um, so my, you know, my overall take last night is that, that we didn't look right. I thought they just looked off. It was, you know, it was kind of the first night all year that the team looked a little bit like what we maybe anticipated them to look at different times this year where they just were kind of a step off. Um, But I thought kind of similar to what we've seen all season long, they really looked like they did a bunch of things really, really, really well. Um, And I think that's a pretty good sign. I want to talk a little bit about Kelly Olenek and Simone Fontecchio. I thought they were both great. I do think Conley and Clarkson are are wearing down a little bit, so we'll we'll touch on that um, and uh, and have a bunch of other things. And then, you know, Will Hardy's found a bunch of answers, but there's some tough questions inside those answers, and we'll touch on those um, as we continue today. Today's show, a Wednesday edition of Locked on Jazz, is brought to you by my good friend over at, or my good friends, shall I say, over at Intercap, because I don't want Brock... Brock Worthen's the president over there. He deserves the shout-out well, but I, I'm talking about our guy Steve Carter. He's our own personal loan officer. And frankly, he does amazing stuff. I was looking back at my notes from when um, we first started with Intercap. um, And it actually goes back, like I have a July 7th, 2019 note. It says, we now have 15 branches 
And this was like when they had built up from, you know, we started with them in 2017. They've been advertising for five years on lockdown. I mean, this is a long time standing sponsor of this show because Steve Carter, because first of all, I just am so certain when I send you to Steve Carter, what you're going to get. And that's pretty great. Um, Intercap Lending is a local headquartered in Utah company. They can, they can do loans all across the country. Um, they long-term relationships, hyper-responsive, they embrace change. But the real story here is Steve Carter. He's our own personal loan officer. He's taken care of me twice. He's done my partner. He's done a ton of lockdown people. You can call him directly at 385-885-28. That's 385-885-28. Or you can email me and I'll just connect you with Steve. Um, but if you do call yourself, please mention Lockdown Jazz because you get the Lockdown Jazz corporate discount. Intercap Lending, NMLS 190465. Visit com and get the great Steve Carter experience. Today's show also brought to you by Simply Safe. It is, uh, if you thought about securing your home with home security, but you're putting it off, you want to listen up. Simply Safe can be there for you. The number one rated home security system for 50% off right now. This is the biggest offer of the year, and you don't want to miss it. Simply Safe, 50% off right now. In an emergency, 24 7 monitoring agents use fast protected technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence, verify the threat is real, so you get the priority police response. Simply Safe is whole home security with advanced sensors for every room and window and door, HD security, cameras for the inside and out, smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when a threat is real and even. Hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, and other threats room. 24-7 professional monitoring service costs less than a dollar a day, less than half the price of ADT's traditional professionally installed system. Top-rated Simply Safe app. Stay in control of your system anytime, anywhere. Arm or disarm. Unlock for a guest. Access your cameras or adjust your systems. Don't miss your chance to save big on security system. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash Locked on. Uh, that's simplysafe.com slash locked on. And actually, I've got locked on NBA or locked on MLB for you. This is the biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Locked On Sports Today is your second listen. It's an absolutely fabulous rundown of. Uh, the day in sports in 22 minutes. So grab that. You grab that and you grab game to game. You're set for the day. I, I think Kelly Olenek is just one of the most fabulous players to watch play. I really do. Um, you know, he's the kind of guy, if you watch, watch him on other teams, I've always, I've always been a huge Kelly Olenek fan. Um, here's what I actually always have thought about Kelly Olenek. I always thought Kelly Olenek was the player who was absolutely fabulous. I watched him on the other team. He only played like, you know, if you kind of go back and look at his minutes, he wasn't playing a lot. And I assumed there are players like this, that if you had him every day, you wouldn't like him. Like, there's just some players that when you have them, you watch them for a night, and you're like, oh, man, that is like a hell of a player. We got to go get that guy. And then you get them every night, and you're like, oh, can't do this, can't do that, does this all the time. You know, all these various things. And you decide, well, let me tell you what. Now that I've watched Kelly Olenek for a month, I'm on the exact opposite track. I like Kelly Olenek more than I've ever liked him before. He does everything. Um, You know, he's playing 27 minutes a night, which other than his period in Houston is the most he's ever played in his career. So he's really getting to stretch his wings. And he shoots the three. 
He's a great ball mover. But it's actually all the other stuff. He sets the best, like, random picks. He moves the ball beautifully for the next step pass. He defensively is, I would say, I would say he maximizes what he has, right? Like, he's limited. He's not, you know, a rock star athlete. I'm going to guess his length is, he's 6'11". I'll guess his wingspan is 6'10". You know, he's probably like one of the few negative wingspan guys in the NBA. I don't know if that's true at all. It just kind of looks it to me. There's serious areas where there are things he's not capable of. Um, And I would actually say of players in the league, he might maximize what he is capable of as much as anyone I've seen. But the... Just watch him play. His the astute level by which he plays a possession, and how he moves, finds the next option, bails guys out, guys get in trouble. He saves a possession. It's terrific. Um, it's where I really believe in plus minus. Like, you, well, how do you like equate this? If you well, I look at Kelly Olynyk. And his first year as a rookie, he, he's negative. And then he's plus five, and then he's plus six, then he was even. But the team was minus five with him off, so he's five better than the team. Then in Miami, he's plus six, then he's plus two, then he's plus two. And then he has a year where he's in Miami, he's plus two, and he goes to, he goes to Houston, they're awful. And last year in Detroit, his plus minus is off. Right now, when he's on the court, we're minus one. And when he's off the court, we're minus nine. Like, he is... I keep using this phrase about he and Mike Conley. They are the threads that are holding our fabric together. I I, I believe it. Um, he's he's just a marvelous player to watch right now. Um, and it's and he, you know I think his foul trouble last night mattered a little bit too. I, I also think, and I'll get into this a little bit. I don't know if this is true, but it feels to me like he might have to play with Colin Sexton. Like we're trying to make Mike Conley play with Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton is such a dynamic scorer, and. Does those kind of things. But I actually, he just cannot play with the ball in his hands making decisions right now. It's just not in his wheelhouse of strengths. And when we put Linux and Saxon together, we're plus five, which is kind of an interesting little match. Like, I almost think that Kelly Linux is the backup point guard on this basketball team. I really like, um, you know, when Sexton has played this year without what I would call our two point guards, Kelly Linux and Mike Conley, on the floor um, this year, we're minus nine per 100 possessions. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's really, like, in the offenses in the 18th percentile, we're turning over 18% of the time. Um, I, I, like, he, <coughs> excuse me, you wouldn't think of a Linux at 6'11 as our, like, backup point guard. I, I, I He's just fabulous in that regard. Um and so, huge credit to him. I thought he was great last night. I don't know. I'd have to go back and rewatch the game. It did feel a little bit last night um, as though the um, Knicks might have taken other guys away and allowed Linux to get going. We're not great defensively when Kelly's on the floor. I, I mean, I don't want to make missell this. But I just think he also maximizes what he's capable of. Um, the other really nice one last night was uh, Simone. Uh, Simone played great last night. He played instead of... Uh, Rudy Gay, he had 17 points. He went three of five from three. He got up on a bunch of rebounds and plays that were really interesting. Like, I don't think you think of, stereotypically think of the Italian three-point shooter as being an athlete. He showed 
plays last night that were NBA athlete plays, which is in, exciting. I mean, that's great scouting on the Jazz part um, that he can do that. Um, I've had a bunch of conversations with him recently in the locker room. Really cool. He's got a young little girl, and he, um, I saw him yesterday. I was like, did she remember you? And he's like, yeah, she remembered me at 6.30 in the morning. We got in at 3.30, and he's like, at 6.30, she's like running in the room to see me. She hadn't seen Daddy in a long time. Uh, it was cute to hear. His, he and his wife have now, they're in their third city in three years, just kind of bouncing around the world. Um, he says his wife is um, doing really well and enjoying Salt Lake. Um, it's fun to get to know these guys. I, I learned from Taylor uh, yesterday. He's got a young one-year-old baby girl. He's been is with the same girl throughout high is has been with the same uh, woman through, through since high school. Um, that she's out in Salt Lake with him as well, and trying you know from uh, Northside Chicago, trying to find what Salt Lake means. Um, having been in LA most recently, so quite a transition. These guys, you know, they're all these these. They're humans, right? They're they're neat people, and it's fun to kind of see them go through this. Um, in that, uh, I wanted to touch on a little bit on our rotations as well. This is where I think Will Hardy has done a brilliant job, and now has himself in a box, and I don't know what he can do about it. So, one thing that we've talked about a lot is the is how we're using Colin, and um, Will's done a masterful job of it. I just touched on it a minute ago with with Linux and, and you know, rotations. I was talking to AJ about Alex Jensen about this last night. Like rotations are the hardest thing for any coach in the world, because I can make this comment that I just made. Like, Oh, if you put a Linux on the floor as our backup point guard with Colin Sexton, then you get this. And now I try to do that. Like now it's, it's great for me to say it on this show, but then turn around and try to build your 48 minute roster where you actually do that is really, really hard. So when Colin Sexton and Mike Conley are on the floor together, we're plus nine. Our offense is in the 99th percentile. Our defense is not great, but it doesn't matter. We're plus nine. And it's really been wildly successful. And I unfortunately, the NBA does not have these numbers anymore. They used to have it. You could see what a player does when the two of them are on the floor, and um, they don't. They took that feature away. Um, but Colin has been has been really good in those circumstances. He's just such a dynamic scorer coming off the 45 and getting in the lane and doing all these things. When Colin is on the floor without Mike, which then means that really Colin has a lot of the ball handling skill time. We're minus six. We turn the ball over 17% of the time. Our defense is not good either. And we're really struggling. Now, the way we've been dealing with this a little bit is that taking Taylor Horton Tucker and make him play point guard. Okay, Taylor's done a nice job and he's developing that skill. It's not a great answer. We're minus eight in those possessions, in those circumstances. We turned over 16% of the time. It's not a great answer. It's better than, it's the best we have. But last night, if you watch the, if you look at the game, you know, Mike Conley stretches his opening stretch out for nine minutes because you're trying to get Colin Sexton on the floor with him. And Mike used to play in three stints. They like did last year. Now he's just playing in two. And so Mike goes the nine minutes and then Sexton comes in. Everything's fine. And then Colin plays two back-to-back, you know, plays from the 253 mark of the first quarter to the 831 mark of the second quarter without Mike on the floor. And we are even. Okay, so it's kind of fine. We're even. That, that's a win for us because Mike's usually a great plus-minus player and going. Um, then we do, in the second uh, half, Mike plays his nine minutes and then Colin actually and Mike don't overlap last night. And then in Colin's next two stints from, or from the 257 mark to the 920 mark, we're minus nine. Now... We try the Kelly Olynyk answer, actually. Kelly Olynyk, because he was in foul trouble, is all off his kilter uh, of his regular rotation. So he comes back to open the fourth quarter and plays all 12 minutes. And, and my lineup that I'm you know, touting 
um, with Kelly Olynyk and Walk uh, on the floor, but it was t- t- Kelly Olynyk and Walker Kessler together, and who knows whether that actually works, was a minus seven. Or a minus 12 to open the fourth quarter was kind of a mess. And then Mike Conley has to come back at the 920 mark because we're kind of a mess. And then all of a sudden, Mike Conley's played 34 minutes last night. Um, so this is a little bit of a box right now. Like, I'm not sure. And again, this roster is not built to be perfectly solid. So we can go play this game where I run around and find these little issues all the time and can probably find, you know, problems all the time with where, oh, this problem and that transition. Because like, that's just, our roster's not perfect. Um, but we're seeing a, a pretty good-sized burden on Mike there because he really we need him on the floor, and he's been absolutely fantastic. And we're also seeing Mike wear down now. So in the last four games, Mike looks to me really, really similar to what he looked like after COVID last year when he carried the load on this team for a month and then just kind of struggled. So Mike's shooting the last four games. He's shooting 23%, and he's 12% from three. Um, and he's, you know, he's two for his last 17 from three. Um, and he's, I think, seven of his last, I can't do it off the top of my head, I think it's 31, um, from the field. And he's still playing great, right? He's still averaging 10 assists a game. He's still not turning it over. He's still vital. He's, um, but but he, he, he's, he's maybe slowing down a little bit. There was a moment in the game last night um, that kind of rung true to me as a big moment for us to keep an eye on. I'll share that with you in just a second. And then we'll do a quick close game review um, as well. I've gotten long on the show today. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Um, so we'll have that in a second. One moment that kind of uh, stuck with me last night on something involving Mike. And then also a um, we'll do the close game reviews, the best free throw play um, I've ever seen. Uh, today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at betonline.net. BetOnline odds, news, and scores. Get it all right now at BetOnline.net. You can get in on all the football action if you want to. You can get in on all the news, the podcasts. They've got it all for you at BetOnline. Also for you, the uh, uh, Thursday night game this week, Green Bay is a three-point favorite over the Tennessee Titans. Uh, NBA basketball coming up tonight. There's a bunch of good ones. Minnesota's in Orlando. They're a six-point favorite. Boston and Atlanta. See if Atlanta, who's gotten two good wins over Milwaukee. Boston's a two-point favorite on that one. Miami against the shorthanded Raptors is a a one-and-a-half-point favorite. And Cleveland and Milwaukee matchup. See if Donovan gets back out there. Four-point. Huge night and schedules in the final one of the night is Phoenix. In Golden State. You can get it all at betonline.net. Enjoy all the excitement, all the fun, uh, and all the rest at betonline. Get where you get into the game. All right, the one play last night that worried me a little bit for the Jazz, and just keep an eye on whether defenses do this, is that Julius Randle is not a good defender, switched on to Mike, and Mike couldn't beat him. And it reminds me of last year we were in Chicago, and... The Jazz were playing, and Joe Ingles came on a pick-and-roll. Nikola Vukovic, who's probably known as the worst open-court defender in the league, switched on to Joe, and Joe couldn't beat him. And I remember it vividly, like, "Uh uh-oh. And it was then that, like, Joe never got going all year. And that was, like, really telling to me. Um, So that was a, like, I saw that last night, and that kind of jumped out as, like, a a slight concern to me, is that, um, you know, Mike's doing a lot of brilliant things, but if teams know he's not got the dribble drive game and he can't beat guys, we're going to get more and more switching because they're not worried about the matchups. So we'll keep an eye on that. All right, late, late game stuff. Um, let's go with the Sand, uh, the Clippers-Dallas game last night. Um, interesting. A bunch of guys were out, so the closing laps are really interesting. John Wall closed instead of Reggie Jackson last night for the Clippers, which was super interesting. And then um, and Nicholas Batum came in for Reggie Jackson. They played him for a while. 
Dwight Powell, who was out of the rotation and not playing for Dallas, is now closing games for them. So that was interesting. Dallas, uh, Clippers consistently double-teamed Luka Doncic at the top at 45 feet, and the the Dallas Mavericks came back to win the game absolutely bearing three after three after three after three after three. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith hits a three at the 459 mark. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith hits a three at the 250 mark. Reggie Bullock hits a three at the 202 mark. Reggie Bullock hits a three at the 131 mark. Dinwiddie misses. Like Now, they're not going to go four for five all the time, but it is why people don't double-team Doncic. He just they, he bounced the pass in between the pick-and-roll to Dwight Powell, who then found the open shooter every time. And it's where Dwight Powell, back in the lineup, changes who the Mavericks are and puts them in really, really good position. Um, Paul George made a bunch of late-game plays that weren't very good. He's not a great late-game player. He gets caught in the air. He turned it over on one. He did power through Powell once, but it was not a great performance by PG. Um, he got pressured and double team the same way Doncic did and panicked and threw it to the Jenny, Jenna Schroeder, who's the official, um, and it went out of bounds. Uh, the Clippers went through Marcus Morris Sr. a ton late in that game, almost like he's their security blanket as much as Paul George is um, late in game. So that um, that was super impressive uh, by the Dallas defense also to cause some problems there. The play of the night, though, and I put it up on my Twitter at DLock09. you got to see it. And this is why you watch late game stuff. Nicholas Batum needs to miss a free throw late. They're down two with like six seconds left, and they've got to they've got to try something. Marcus Morris is on the right inside of the free throw line, and he sprints across the lane from the right side to the left as the free throw goes up. He's like literally take running out of the play, and Christian Wood follows him, leaving that right side wide open. And Robert Covington comes from the top, sprints into that. Luka Doncic didn't screen him out; should have. And Covington grabbed, and Nicholas Batum stuck the rebound right between the rim and the glass right there. And Robert Covington grabs the ball and has an easy layup and just panics because it worked so well he couldn't believe it. But it was a really cool play. Uh, Ty Lue drew up, and maybe it's a really common NBA play. I've just never seen it executed that well before. Um, and I thought that was that was really interesting. Um, so any no- other notes on that? Um uh, Dallas is getting switches on Din. Clippers were switching everything, and Dinwiddie's just driving. He's just as good a driver as there is. Dallas is tough late because if you want to switch, they're going to go to Dinwiddie, who's just going to ISO drive you. If you double team, Dodge is going to find Finney, Smith, Bullock, and those shooters, and they're pretty darn good. And then if you don't double, Luke is just going wherever he wants. So Dallas late game really does have all the answers with this group and the addition of Dinwiddie last year um, to keep an eye on. All right, San Antonio, Portland last night. The Spurs don't have any idea what they're doing late in games. Any idea at all. They just don't have the personnel. Not a pop criticism, but Devin Vassell, Keon Johnson, they're putting up terrible shots. They were horrendous down the stretch last night. Portland got the win. Portland closed last night with Lillard, Simons, Hart, Grant, and Eubanks. Drew Eubanks. And Eubanks actually played great. That Lillard, Simon, Hart, Grant's pretty tough. Hart makes a lot of big-time plays late. Grant's willing to go one-on-one. Interesting uh, big play of the game. Portland went zone out of a timeout. Keep an eye on that when we play them on Friday, whether they do that late. Um, Lillard played some inspired post-defense when they tried to post him up. That's never been a very good idea. Um, Lillard makes a bunch of plays, but they have a lot of options. They got out and ran. Hart with a huge steal late in the game that dunks it on the other side um, to clip off that win. The other one I watched late was uh, Phoenix and Miami. 
from two nights ago. Miami's interesting because for all the greatness of Eric Spolster, who I think is an unbelievable coach, they don't run a lot of stuff. Now, Phoenix was without CP3 in this game, and they did they did some mysterious things. Um, Miami was without heroes, so Miami was closing with Lowry, Caleb Martin, Max Struess, Bam Adebayo, and, Jared, uh, and Jimmy Butler. Miami's defensive hands are unbelievable. They are everywhere. Um, I will say this about Max Struess. We don't watch him all the time on the East. He played off the bounce, made a nice drive, did a bunch of things that were super interesting. Suns Limited are, are finishing with Campaign, Devin Booger, Mikel Bridges, Torrey Craig, and DeAndre Ayton. I know Torrey Craig is thought of as a great defender, but I watched Donovan torch him in the bubble, and I saw everybody beat him in this game too. Uh, Miami's main set was a Booker-Bridges pick and roll to get a switch and then let Booker just go one-on-one. Miami brought a double late on Booker in really, Jimmy Butler makes defensive plays that are super smart, but they got the switch, Booker's working, but the shot clock got to the point where like Booker really couldn't get rid of it and then Butler double teams. And I don't know if that's coached or if that's just Butler's instincts. Then you probably have seen the final play of this game. Monty doesn't run it to get the switch because I think he's worried they're going to double-team Booker at that point because of the way that they just played that previous one. So there's a lasting impact there. And then Butler blocks Booker twice. So that was really interesting. Um, out of a set play, a really interesting play by Monty Williams out of a timeout. He ran Payne and DeAndre Ayton action on the right wing in a two-man game. But Booker started in the left corner and came all the way around the circle behind the play for a three. He got a good look. He did miss it. Um one note that's interesting on Miami is they're not switching a lot. They're playing high pick and roll. Each guy stuck to their own. They got beat on that a few times. Campaign getting into the lane. Um, so they're denying the switch more than most teams I've seen. Um, and then the other one I would say is Miami's really got two go-to things late. Lowry and Bam high pick and roll is what they went to down one with 30 seconds left. But then also they're, they're willing to isolate on the left wing with Jimmy Butler and let it go. And that gives them some versatility of what they want to do. All right, those are the late game watches. That's an update on the Jazz. Hope you're enjoying that late game watch. Um, let me know your thoughts. There'll be a bunch of them tonight. Hopefully I'll get to them. Thanks very much for tuning in. Have a wonderful day. This is Locked on Jazz for your second listen. Go listen to Locked on Sports today.